Welcome to Thrive, a Paychex business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, it's Gene Marks. Uh, I spoke today to uh, Matt Holler. Matt is uh, the president and CEO of the International Franchise Association. That's franchise.org. Uh, Matt is uh, has been with the organization for about 10 years, and we talked about some of the things that uh, really are affecting franchisees and 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 the people that are that are running everything from the local McDonald's restaurant to uh, you know to Subways to all the franchise outlets that you see all around. I mean, they represent you know more than a thousand brands, the big brands that you've all heard of. Listen, franchising is a fantastic way to get into business. It is a great place to start your own business, particularly if you've never had a business before. It's a great place to really learn it. And also a lot of people are going into franchising because it's a, a great way to control your money. I mean, you can take your money and invest it in the stock market, give it to Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg and hope that they run their companies well. Um, or you could take that same money and invest it in your own business, like a franchise where you've got the big name brand behind you. You've got their marketing muscle. You've got their name recognition. You're going to pay something for that, but at least it gets you up and running and gets you moving. Uh, you know, Matt also mentioned how, you know, at the very end of our conversation, how franchisees, I mean, you really make your money when you scale. So if you just own one location of a, of, of, of a store, um, you know, you can make a living, but you know, the people that really succeed are the ones that, that build on that. So, so keep that in mind if you want to go into the world of franchising. Uh, we, you know, we talked about in this conversation about what, what current franchises are doing to find employees, um, so whether or not you're running a, you know, a franchise or not, um, we're all looking for people. He had some ideas to share with you what they're doing as well. We also dug into a big issue that affects the franchising world, which is joint employer. Uh, you know, that is where uh, there has been you know, efforts made by the government to wrap in employees of a local franchise. He did to consider them to actually be the employees of the, the brand uh, that's behind the franchise rather than being local local business owned. And there's a big debate going on about it. The Trump administration eased up the rules for employers. Now the Biden administration is making it uh, you know, a little bit tougher for franchise owners. Um, they want to they want to include more employees in the overall corporate brand so that they can, um, you know, you know, have a little bit more regulations and, and potential for unionization. So there's, you know, there, there, there's those issues there. So listen, if you run your own franchise, if you're looking to get into the franchise industry, buying your own franchise, even if you're just not even in the industry at all, but you're running your own small business and you want to, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, what this industry is doing to find employees, encourage minority uh, minorities to get involved, because uh, we talked about that too. Uh, it's a great conversation. So we'll be back in just a moment with Matt Holler from the International Franchise Association. All right, everybody. I got Matt Haller here with me. Thank you very much for joining me, Matt. Thanks, Gene. It's great to be with you. So first of all, uh, tell me about the International Franchise Association. What do you guys do? Who are your members? What are you all about? So we're a trade association in Washington, D.C., where we're headquartered. We have about 30 employees who work on behalf of our mission, which is to protect, to promote, and to enhance franchising. We have about 100 brands, uh, excuse me, 1,000 brands who are members of the IFA. So all the big ones that you've all heard of from McDonald's to Dunkin' Donuts to Marriott to the UPS store. But we have hundreds of brands that are in, you know, early or mid-tier franchising stage, you know, brands with, you know, 20 to 50 to 500 locations nationwide. Um, so we advocate for right. pri policies on Capitol Hill 
in the states and in cities that either help or uh, against policies that might harm franchising and uh, local franchise businesses. Uh, but we also do a lot of education uh, on our website. There's a tremendous amount of great content and webinars um, and resources to educate brands that want to grow, franchisees that are in the business model and want to understand you know, the tax law that's being proposed or you know, new things coming out of the Small Business Administration and really translate them to franchising speak. We also convene. Uh, we have uh, a number of big events uh, and small and regional events uh, across the country. And we convene through those on an ongoing basis. We've learned how to convene a lot more effectively online because of COVID. It doesn't replace the in-person experience, but uh, convening through education and through online and committees and things like that on topics from uh, some of the things we're going to talk about today, I think, Gene. So that's a little bit uh, of a snapshot of what we do. It's good, you know, and, and you and I were talking right before we started recording that you're in Philly right now and you're attending uh, one of your conferences. I'm just kind of curious, like who... Who is attending these conferences of yours? These are a lot of small franchises, a lot of small business owners, right? Yeah, it's it's a mix of people that are franchising their businesses. So people on the brand side who are looking for prospective new franchisees. They're also looking for, we call them supplier partners. Yep. Uh, you know, Paychex is a supplier partner of the IFA. So, you know, every brand and every franchisee is looking for payroll and human resources support. These are local small businesses. They don't have this in-house. So, you know, technology companies, marketing companies, lawyers, all of the things that, you know, franchisees or franchisors need. Uh, we, we, we create forums for those individuals uh, to understand those who understand franchising because it is a unique way of doing business. So let's talk about people and let's talk about employees. Now, um, I'm just keeping up on the news. As far as I can gather, uh, your members, your franchise owners, they're fine with employees. They're really not looking for anybody. It's all good, right? I mean, their payrolls are full of uh, good people, good workers. Am I right? Yeah, yeah right. I mean, 80% <laughs> of uh, the sector, according to some research I saw, you know, are having trouble finding uh, talent to meet their available demand for their product or service. So, you know, it's happening across the spectrum, uh, you know, everywhere from the C-suite at, brand, at the brand side down to, you know, the frontline employees. Right. And, you know, I'll say nobody has the, the silver bullet uh, because the market is competitive. And, you know, the good news for employees is wages are going up, benefits are going up. Uh, we actually just put out some research uh, last week that shows that the franchise model and franchisees who do most of the employing in franchising, you know, they're paying higher wages and providing stronger benefits than similarly situated non-franchise businesses. Uh, so there's a story to be told there at a macro level. Uh, in the industry that IFA is encouraging our brands and their franchisees to tell. Uh, but then there's the micro story of, you know, what are you doing to create, you know, a greater culture uh, inside your franchise business? And why are there greater opportunities for advancement uh, and things like that? Um, I think one of the things that we're seeing uh, that, that may be working is to, to meet that labor uh, challenge is some brands looking at taking dollars from their advertising funds and moving it to national recruitment um, mm -hmm. advertising. So rather than promoting a product or a service that a brand offers, um, you know, they're taking that and you know, really helping lean in with national and regional advertising focused on the availability of these uh, positions. Because people are thinking about switching careers. And that is something that we see. You know, we also had an expo in New York City uh, last weekend and uh, what, what we see is with such displacement in the broader economy, 
right now and record levels of savings and available capital, people looking at going and buying a franchise. So the development pipeline is also uh, ramping up. So there's there's no doubt there's some headwinds uh, on, on in, in our world, like there is with everybody. But there's also some really good opportunities um, that, that I think help franchising stand out above other types of uh, employment and business. Right? Yeah. I, you know, I've got to comment on a couple of things that you say. You know, we, we talk about we're in inflationary times. People are concerned about where they invest their money. Um, you know, certainly you could put it in the stock market if you want to give your money to other executives to run it. You know, I mean, that's you're, you're investing in those companies. But there has been a, a significant interest and in growth in people looking to own their own businesses and buy into the franchise industry because you have more control over your future when you do that, as well as um, who you employ in your business. And that was case number one. The other case I also want to say you mentioned about uh, people, you know, advertising for, you know, redirecting some of their advertising money towards, uh, you know, towards, you know, advertising for employment. To me, like it kills two birds with one stone. You know, I mean, do you, you know, I see a lot of franchises advertising on social I mean, I, I bump into them on TikTok and, and Instagram and even Snapchat um, where they're looking for employees and they're offering great wages. Um, and it's like it seems like it does two things. It's not only like a recruitment ad, but for me, who's not looking for a job, I'm still seeing the brand in front of me, you know? Yeah. I mean, our, the power of our members' brands is tremendous. Yeah. And so I do agree with, with what you said, Gene, as far as a, a twofer. And I think... That is part of why, you know, the, the, the challenge is there in franchising, but it's not as acute as it might be for uh, some other types of businesses. I mean, we like to say in franchising, you go into business for yourself, but not by yourself. And you really do have a partner there if you're a franchise owner with the brand and working yep. hand in hand each and every day to solve the real world challenges that are on the ground level, which you might not be getting uh, at, in a traditional corporate job or, you know, if you're going at sort of a traditional non-franchise independent business. Yeah, it's one of the biggest challenges I have in my bit. You know, I own a 10-person company and it's called the Marks Group. Nobody knows the Marks Group. What the, what the heck is the Marks Group, you know? Um, and yet if you if you own a franchise, obviously you've got that huge brand name behind you. Um, and it's a huge leverage for a business owner, even for people that just want to start up their well, own you've business. Also got, yeah, you've also got hundreds but or thousands in some systems of other people that are probably dealing with the same issue that you're dealing with yep. that you can compare notes on. So that is that is the power of the model. Obviously, you pay a price for that in terms of the fees and the royalties. Doesn't work yep. for everybody. We don't want yep. people that want to you know, run the Marks Group, but do it as a as a brand company or as a franchisee. And, you know, that's a message we oftentimes want to get out. But for the right type of person and the, that meets the, the right marriage with the brand that works for them, uh, it can be tremendously powerful. Matt, I, uh, I, I'm curious. You know, I'm, I'm going to San Diego uh, on Wednesday to speak to, um, you know, an industry of both retailers and, and mid-market distributors. Um, and the whole conversation is going to be about people and, uh, you know, compensation strategies as well as finding people. I'm, I'm curious, where, where in your industry are your members going to find employees? I mean, there's no silver bullet to find employees, but have you heard from any of your members like, oh, this has been a good resource for us, or this has been a good place where we've gone to find people? Well, I, I think they've done everything um, from the traditional, you know, the hiring fairs to, you know, the advertising to, um, you know, employee referrals. Um, I, I haven't heard one particular silver bullet uh, solution either, Gene, but yep. I, 
I do get, I do hear that the brands that are figuring out the right way to create that partnership with, you know, sort of a national push, but yep. um, the right type of system that doesn't kind of cross the line. We deal with this issue in franchising of co-employment or joint employment. Um, with those brands that have figured out how to skin that cat um, seem to be uh, doing things a little bit better than those that aren't kind of doing it in a collaborative way. Um, while again, maintaining that separation of brand versus local hiring. Yeah. You know, I did a piece on this for the, uh, for the Philly Inquirer just a couple of weeks ago. And I was, um, talking to this one person at Temple University here. And, uh, one of the places that he recommends, he does small business, you know, for the businesses in the area of Temple as like their community outreach. He, he's recommended for years, faith-based groups, which I never thought of, you know, it was like, you know, churches, mosques, synagogues, you know, it's like a great place to reach out. Uh, you know, th those are the people that know their community members, people that belong to their organization that are looking for jobs or family members looking for jobs. And um, anyway, well, I just I thought I would throw that out there. Point. I, I mean, we, franchisees are, you know, supporting local charities and, you yes. know, other community organizations, you know, just with sponsorships and other things in a tremendous way, they often are probably not asking those organizations for something like this in the past. But those are really relationships that you have at a at an extremely high level. You know, so whether it's like the Little League team or, you know, cleaning up like, you know, after a, after a, I was up in Buffalo at the Washington football team game uh, <laughs> this uh, yesterday. And, huh. you know, I saw a number of our brands who are sponsors of that event. I mean, those are opportunities for leveraging third-party relationships, as I call them, uh, or non-traditional allies for helping you solve a business challenge, and you know, just getting your opportunities out there through through people with you have relationships with. Smart man going to Buffalo in September rather yeah, than in November, not, December. Not December. My my hats off to you, sir. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's um, let's pivot a little bit. We are still talking about employees. Um, joint employer, um, you know, has has been a big issue for your industry. Um, you know, the Trump administration, uh, you know, you know, issued some executive orders uh, back, you know, when that administration was in power that was uh, more favorable towards the franchise industry. The Biden administration has come in and made some changes to that, which may not be as favorable. Uh, give us an update, uh, Matt, on, on, on joint employer and how it's affecting your members. Yeah. So we often see this when, uh, you know, there's a change in power, as you alluded to, Gene, and, you know, the joint employer issue is you know, really something that the uh, the labor union, union movement has uh, tried to use to change and upend the franchising model from one where it's creating local opportunity and local ownership to more of a top-down uh, type of approach. So if you have a joint employer relationship, it's going to effectively turn, you know, a Dunkin' Donuts or a, a UPS store into one corporation that yeah. is a lot easier for a labor union to come in and organize the employees. Um, so, you know, Joe Biden comes into office in January. He says he wants to be the most pro-union president, uh, you know, ever. And, you know, notwithstanding the, the value of, of the labor union movement and that labor unions can do a lot of good things, you know, we don't think that the franchise business model should be collateral damage. So we need to fight um, an expansion of uh, the joint employer standard or joint employer rules that can be done through the Labor Department or the National Labor Relations Board, or even worse, through Congress. So mm -hmm. the good news is because Washington is so divided with a 50-50 Senate uh, and such a narrow majority in the House of Representatives, doing changing the joint employer rules through legislation, which would be the hardest to then undo, is not going to happen. 
Um, there's something called the PRO Act, uh, which has passed the House, but it is stalled uh, in the Senate because of bipartisan opposition to it uh, in, in the Senate. Um, unfortunately, when you do control an administration, you know, people are policy. And Joe Biden ultimately is likely to get his people at the National Labor Relations Board and the Department of Labor, uh, where these uh, changes to joint employment policy are likely to be expanded. Uh, we are currently in litigation um, that the IFA is against the Department of Labor, uh, and the National Labor Relations Board is now facing litigation uh, challenging the, the pro-employer, the pro-franchise joint employer rule that the Trump administration put into place uh, about two and a half years ago. So these things bear watching. Uh, they're very sort of wonky, esoteric uh, issues that, uh, you know, IFA is fighting, but they do have a real world impact uh, to franchisees. We want to make sure that franchisees continue to control their businesses and the labor and employment decisions don't get shifted to the mothership franchise or entity. That's what we're trying to protect and preserve. And we think it's good for workers, too, because, as I mentioned, the data in the Oxford Economics report that we released last week, franchisees are paying higher wages, better benefits, uh, and have greater opportunities for advancement than similarly situated non-franchise businesses. So we don't think we need to insert another third party like a labor union into our business model. You know, the one thing I've I've noticed as I've gotten older and and you know I've been writing so much about public policy is that uh, legislation is is hard to change, but it can be changed. Uh, but the, if it's not legislation, the rules themselves can be changed. So, you know, right now, President Biden has got uh, Marty Walsh as his, you know, secretary of labor and you're very pro-union, pro-worker. Uh, and you're right. The National Labor Relations Board, I think by the end of the year, uh, will be populated with with mostly of President Biden's appointees. So they can change the rules and, you know, make things tougher for a lot of your members, um, you know, you know, and tighten up the joint employer rules as it is over the next few years. But then, you know, new administration comes in and all those rules can be changed again. So I guess you have to tell your members to just, you almost have to ride out the storm if things turn, you know, turn against them. Yeah. I mean, look, elections have consequences and, you know, this will be one of those consequences in all likelihood. Um, but we think that for, we've been through this before. I mean, yep. joint employment was kind of new uh, during the Obama administration in that second term. And, you know, brands figured out, you know, how to, how to deal with uh, a change in, in it on the regulatory side. It was not permanent, but, you know, there were, you know, brands that backed off on providing certain products or services or information to their franchisees and, mm -hmm. and made clear in their franchise documents and franchise manuals, um, you know, where responsibility ultimately lied for labor and employment matters. Um, you know, that's, that's likely going to need uh, to take a fresh look uh, at, at some of that, given the likely expansion uh, of, you know, these liability standards uh, at DOL. I think it also with respect to OSHA, because we're still dealing with the pandemic and yep. the president has uh, announced that he's going to institute a vaccine mandate or a testing regime for yep. non-vaccinated employees at businesses with 100 or more employees, which will include many franchisees. Uh, and we're hopeful that there will at least be some element of uh, a safe harbor, if you will, around brands that want to work with their franchisees to ensure compliance. Uh, we want to make sure that, you know, companies that are trying to do the right thing and abide by the law have certainty. And if the whole goal here is to, you know, increase the number of vaccinations at the employee level 
you know, brands should be able to lean into that communications and provide their franchisees with tools and resources, but not be uh, not not have that type of activity used against them to create a joint employer relationship. Yeah, it makes sense. All right. You know, I have a list of things I want to ask you. And yet, you know, I promised you, you know, a certain amount of time. So we're not going to get to them all. But I'm going to jump um, a little bit down the list. Um, I, I want to talk uh, um, about veterans and minorities and um, increasing their ownership. You know, there's been a big push in that across the board of trying to have more, you know, more support for veteran and, and minority owned small businesses, um, providing them with capital, providing them with education, trying to, you know, you you get these entrepreneurs really off the ground. So I, you know, I guess, Matt, I'm going to ask you, I mean, like, what what is the IFA doing to, 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 to try and help that, to try and get more veterans and particularly minority uh, business owners into the franchising world? Yeah, so we've got some programs uh, at the IFA that focus specifically on uh, minority outreach and veterans outreach. So with respect to minorities, I'll start there. Um, you know, according to the U.S. Census, we uh, over-index in terms of minority franchise ownership by about 50% versus uh, non-franchise businesses. So we already have a good track record and a good story to tell there, but we think more needs to be done uh, to support underrepresented communities of color. And what we're doing that, that each, each community faces, you know, different challenges. Um, so, you know, Black Americans face different challenges than Hispanic Americans, uh, and so we recognize that and we've developed some affinity groups uh, within our membership that represent those different communities of color. Uh, and we convene around uh, those topics. So particularly for black Americans, uh, access to capital yes. is one of the bigger challenges. Um, the good news in franchising is by associating yourself with a proven brand and a proven concept, uh, you can uh, leverage that relationship. And many brands have specific relationships with uh, lending institutions or other types of funding mechanisms that are available for communities of color that have uh, disproportionately faced uh, are un- unbanked or underbanked. So that is something or we're trying to ramp up um, awareness of, uh, of, of how, how well franchising does for potential minority business owners uh, and some of the advantages of the franchise model and also establish uh, additional partnerships with uh, organizations that specifically represent communities of color. So for instance, the U.S. Black Chambers of Commerce, uh, they have uh, over 100, I believe, uh, state and local chambers that are affiliated with them, where we're trying to uh, raise awareness of the franchising opportunity, raise the level of understanding about uh, what it takes to get into franchising, the right type of people. Um, And then another uh, uh, trend that we're seeing is partnerships with HBCUs or historically black colleges and universities. And, and oftentimes, this isn't just uh, evident in minority communities, but the general franchising community, people do, don't, not very many people start out thinking, I want to go into franchising for my career, whether becoming a franchise owner or going to work at a corporation. So just raising awareness of the, the range of opportunities that exist in franchising as a potential career path, um, particularly at early stage, um, at, in colleges, even high schools. Um, and then ultimately in, in business schools. Um, so that's a bit on the minority side. With veterans, uh, we've had a longstanding program at IFA called VetFran. Uh, more than 500 of our 1,000 member companies have a program where they discount the initial franchise fee for veterans. And when you think about uh, what you do in the military, it's a very structured regime um, that, uh, that people follow. And it, it translates very well 
uh, into the franchise business model. And so we, we've seen that over uh, decades now uh, of veterans' uh, success in franchising. Uh, and that's why our VetFran program has been so successful. During the pandemic, our VetFran website uh, had a tremendous amount of increase in people looking at franchising opportunities uh, from the veterans community. Uh, and we expect that to grow. In, in, um, in 2022, we will celebrate our 30th anniversary of the VetFran program. Uh, and our convention will have uh, a number of activities uh, related to that. You know, you got involved um, with the IFA how long ago? A little over 10 years. So what's changed since then? Well, I, I think what has changed in, for all organizations is the importance of being uh, more intentional about your outreach uh, to, you know, whatever community that you're attempting to communicate with. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, segmented communications uh, is are critical. And, you know, franchising is such a big tent that we really do have something for everybody. Um, and the ability to meet people kind of where they are and find some common ground. I think in the past, uh, you know, IFA had been, you know, a little bit more of an old boys club uh, in and of itself. Um, and I think that translated into some of the outward facing messaging that we used as an organization uh, and tougher for people to break into and find a home. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, I've certainly found, uh, you know, it's a lesson of myself uh, at, at the IFA, being more open and listening more uh, and not being so top down as, a, as an organization. And I think you're finding that probably throughout corporate America um, and, and, you know, organizations that are that are succeeding moving forward have that, that type of mentality. It's great. You know, I, I always thought that the biggest barrier to entry to get into the franchise world was just capital. You know, I mean, you know, the, the story that you hear is, well, to buy into a McDonald's franchise costs, you know, X amount of dollars, like some large amount. And I think that's a bit of a misconception. And I'm wondering what you think, you know, if, if you had mentioned about, you know, black business owners, you know, other minorities that, that want to get involved and own their own business and, and you know, and, and get into the world of franchising or anyone else that wants to do that. So in, in 2021, what resources are there? Is it all about capital or can, can somebody with very little capital still get their, you know, dip their toe in the water? Well, you will always need some capital, um, yep. the ability either to have your own cash or go out and, and raise cash. And, you know, I always want to be careful uh, when I say, you know, the last thing any brand wants to do is bring in, you know, some franchisee into their system that's not going to be successful and doesn't um, doesn't fully either have the capital or the ability to get the capital or the wherewithal to succeed. That being said, um, you know, Franchising, it, you know, has created probably more millionaires out of nothing than any other uh, business model uh, that exists. And, mm -hmm. you know, most franchise development leaders or CEOs of smaller brands that are really spending time looking for the right franchise partners, you know, they have an incredible ability to ferret out people um, that aren't going to be a match for their system. And that doesn't always include somebody, you know, that comes from, you know, millions of dollars. Um, it's people that are willing to put it, they put some of their own skin in the game or their own time in the game and work hard, follow the playbook. And nine out of 10 times, it's going to be successful. So there is a range of investment opportunities in franchising, um, you know, from, you know, the low 10, you know, five figures, uh, you know, all the way into the millions of dollars uh, to own a restaurant or a hotel or, or a, a collection of them. And, you know, it, it, it is about scale, right? Yeah. I mean, the more, 
you can own over time, uh, the greater return on your investment uh, you can receive, much like real estate. Uh, however, most of these successful franchising op- entrepreneurs, they started with one location. And you know, over you know, decades of hard work, building relationships, uh, networking, not just through IFA, but through other organizations and their own brand, you know, have, have found a great pathway to success. And, you know, I think it remains uh, that opportunity for the right people that are willing to do the research and build the right relationships. Matt Holler is the president and CEO of the International Franchise Association, just sharing us uh, with us some thoughts on the industry itself and um, some of the issues that franchisees are, are, are facing and some of the opportunities. Matt, thank you very much. Great, great information. And uh, I got through like 30 percent of what I wanted to <laughs> ask you. So I'd love to love to speak with you again. All right. Thanks, Gene. And if those want to find more about the IFA, you can find us on franchise.org or uh, Franchising411 on Twitter. Very good. Thanks for your time and you take care. Thanks, Gene. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychecks.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychecks can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychecks, Inc., 2021, all rights reserved.